0: Flip your bulletins, I'll back over, and we are in a sermon series called BYOF, Bring Your Own Friends. Just so you understand what's going on if you haven't been here before, is most Christians don't share their faith. Or, they don't share their faith productively. Most Christians never lead anybody to the Lord and never bring somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's the one thing Jesus told us to do. So the one thing Jesus told us to do is the one thing we usually don't do. And so for me, I want to fix that. I think the way that we reach people is through you. And so I want to equip you, I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can to share your faith. I want to show you some practical ways to do that. And so we started a few weeks ago with why is this so important and the, the answer to why is because everybody, everywhere at any time, the answer to their problems is that they need a savior and his name is Jesus. Sin is the greatest problem, Jesus is the greatest savior. Last week we talked about what? What is evangelism? Evangelism is simply sharing something you love with someone you love. It's, it's talking to somebody you love about someone that you love, his name is Jesus. It's really simple. Just telling them, come and see. I don't know what you believe, and I'm not sure what you've heard, and I'm not sure what your background is, and I can't answer every question that you have, but just come and, and see. Today I want to talk to you uh, about the, the topic where, understanding where God is calling you Uh, To go. And here's the thing about this topic is opportunity needs to be recognized in your life. God can put all sorts of opportunity in your life, because some of you are going, what? I don't even know where I would begin to talk to people about Jesus, and so I want to talk to you about opportunities, because I believe he's doing that, but it needs to be recognized. So I'll give you an example. I, I, I talk to you often about uh, Harris, and he's turned into a little, a little person now. It's crazy. And so, uh, two years old, and he loves candy. Like, we, 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 we are not the type of parents. We did it on our first child, where you kind of were like, no candy. For the third one, you're like, here, whatever you want, just take it. So... So he has kind of a weight problem, if if you know what I'm saying. So, he, he loves candy, he loves bread, he loves pasta. He, he's a he's in a he, he's a Pennsylvanian, so he loves candy. And so my wife has put on our our. Our, our countertop in our kitchen fall decorations I don't know if you have a wife like this we decorate for fall we decorate for, for Christmas we decorate for everything and so we're decorating for fall and so she did all this, this cool Pinterest stuff and, and then on, in a bowl she put candy corns anybody in this place like candy corns just put your hand really high candy corns are to fall candy what what smarties are to Halloween candy right they are at the bottom of the food chain the only reason they're in our house is for decorations because it's fall and they don't make any other fall candy so if you like candy corn you're wacky, right? Like, they're not that good. Like they're, it's, it's what you get when there's no other candy. So I've been eating candy corn. I've been walking by eating candy, just sitting out, tempting me so I'll, I'll eat candy corn every once in a while. Well, Harrison has figured out where the candy corn is at. For the last two weeks, we've had the candy corn sitting here. And so a few days ago, I walked downstairs, and I said, what is our, our, our kitchen table, our stool, doing pushed up against our countertops? And she said, Harrison has figured out where the candy corn's at, and he's figured out he can push his seat close enough to the candy corn, and he'll get up and get in the candy corn when you're not looking. And so yesterday, uh, no lie, uh, I hear all of a sudden, I hear the panic button on my, on my car keys going. And so I hear this going. I don't know where Harrison's at. I think he's outside, you know, trying to drive. He wasn't outside trying to drive. But here's a little side note. Your sins always find you out. He was reaching for the candy corn, and he accidentally hit the panic button on the keys. And so the car's flipping out. I walk down. He's caught, literally red-handed, in the, in the candy jar, eating these. And I said, what are you doing? And with a mouthful of candy corn, he says, nothing, right? He has now recognized that there was an opportunity for him to get unprotected, unwatched candy corn. It is a good day in Harrison's life. And this is what I would tell you today. It could be a great day of purpose in your life when you begin to recognize all the opportunities that God has given you in your life. Do you know what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 17? It says, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And watch this. He determined the times set for them and the exact places they would live. God has predetermined the exact time and place that you will live. So opportune living is something like this. I am aware that nobody that I come into contact with and nowhere that I set my feet am I there by accident. In other words, you begin to ask yourself, does this person know Jesus and am I the person that's supposed to tell them tell him about Jesus? Is this person without a shadow of doubt... Do they have faith in Christ? Have they come to a new relationship with Jesus Christ? And am I maybe the person that's supposed to share with them? So instead of you going, man, I'm in a school situation I don't like. Everybody's making fun of me for being a Christian. I'm in a family situation where most of my family thinks I'm crazy for believing in God. I'm in a work situation where, where, you know, I don't really like anybody that works with me. I'm in a cubicle beside these people. They're all obnoxious. I'm in this situation with my friends I don't like. Instead, you're going, God, why did you put me here? God, why did you put me here at this exact time in history? And you begin to recognize maybe, maybe instead of a nuisance that you have an opportunity. I, I want to take you into the Bible and the, and, and the book of John chapter 5. And I want to I read you a story. And the reason I want to talk to you in the book of John is because it talks a lot about Jesus. And the reason I think it's so important is I think Jesus lived this type of life. There's not one time where Jesus got the disciples together and he said, Okay, I want you to send out flyers. Uh, I want you to build me a big platform. Uh, I, I want to get some lights and some haze." Um, I'm thinking we're going to give away coffee, you know, and I want you to have VIP guest parking for camels, and I want you to do all that stuff, and and when we set all that up, I'm going to throw a crusade on. I'm going to put this big crusade, we'll give away mugs with pictures of my face on it, and I'll kiss babies, I'll do all that stuff, I'll, I'll bless everybody, I'll do all that stuff. Like I never see Jesus doing that one time. There was often times where Jesus showed up and crowds gathered around him, or he fed the 5,000, but people came to him, but he never really said, you know what, I'm going to have this big to-do about myself, and we're going to have a big crusade. Often times, Jesus would just kind of, in the middle of his life, do something miraculous. It was in the normal, everyday uh, life that he would just kind of perform a miracle. He would be walking by somebody in the midst of his situation. He would understand there's an opportunity for God to move right here. And that's where I want you to get to today. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 5. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem to one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, is a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been invalid for 38 years was there. When Jesus saw him lying, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked them, do you want to get Well? Sir, the man replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus asked him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now we preached this, this sermon series or this message before. We did it in the grave robber. But I want to pick out a couple other things that I think that we can understand about being uh, available for opportunities that God has given us. The first thing is this. I want you to see that Jesus was aware. If you're going to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given you, you need to pray that God makes you aware. Because here's the thing, most of us live a completely oblivious life. I I don't know if you realize this, if you're ever driving in a car, your car is a box of windows. Did you know that? Have you ever looked over in the midst of traffic and been like, "Do, do these people know that everybody can see them right now? Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the person and everybody else is thinking... Because sometimes you'll look over and you can't hear nothing because all the windows are closed, but you can just see kind of the disaster that's happening in that car. They got the whip and the nay they going in the car, and, and they're singing as loud as they possibly can. They're grooving and all this stuff, and you're kind of just like, they know we see them right now. Or, or maybe you're the type of person that, that listen, you, you, have, you have thought about it, and you have studied it, and you have decided the best place to pick your nose is your car. There's a lot of places to hide. The boogies, and so, and it's completely unoffensive. And so you've decided, you know, it's not better for me to do it at my house when I'm getting ready. Maybe blow my my nose and my hands in the shower. That's what I do. And so you just blow your hand and just let it go down the drain. And who knows where it goes? Nobody knows. And so it goes down the drain. Or, 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 or maybe you just, you know, you're one that's like, maybe I should do it with some tissues in in the privacy of my home. No, no, no. The best time for me to pick my boogies, because we all have them, is when I'm sitting in traffic going to work in the middle of a, a glass box where nobody can see me. You ever look over and you can see somebody just digging in their nose and you think to yourself, like I, right now I'm watching you You do this. Or sometimes you just do it you just wipe it under your seat and everybody else is driving is thinking, everybody can see you. And here's the thing about, about us as people. Most of the time we're oblivious. When we park our car, what do you do when you pull into a, to a lot when you're parking your car? I want the most... Important VIP spot in this place, so I'm going to wait if somebody takes my spot I'm going to take it come being completely uh, oblivious Maybe to the fact that God has allowed you to pull down the same aisle at at the exact same time so that you could practice being a servant Maybe 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 you're uh, oblivious when you go to a restaurant and you have a waiter or waitress that, that has a bad attitude And you're you're oblivious to the situation that maybe you have an opportunity to turn around their attitude instead You're like man. these waiter or waitress. They're awful God, why did you give me this waiter waitress for my food right now? Or maybe you have a family situation. You're like, man, these people are ridiculous, right? They, they're, 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 they're mean. They're all this stuff. And you are completely oblivious to the fact that God has, has put you there. I think you see Jesus, and he is completely aware of the situation. In fact, in fact, the Bible says he's going to Jerusalem. If you missed this, it says he's going to a festival. In other words, Jesus is a Jewish man, and he's going to celebrate a Jewish holiday. He, he's in a normal life, and one thing I notice about Jesus is oftentimes he, he allowed God to use him in the midst of his normal everyday life. For most of us, that's not how we, we kind of go through life. We, we want the, the mountaintop experiences. I've been reading through the book of 2 Kings. It's an Old Testament book. If you've ever read through a couple of the Old Testament books, they're confusing. Like, even, even I am confused when I read them. And so the book of Kings is just a historical account of all the kings that came from the Jewish people. And so then it breaks off as it's talking about it. It gets to, to, to David, and then it gets to Solomon, and then Solomon does all sorts of stupid things, even though he's the wisest person in the world. And then all of a sudden, civil war kind of breaks out, and you have kings from two different parts of the Jewish people. You have kings from Israel, you have kings from Judah. Sometimes they will go a couple kings from Judah, and then, and then Israel will pop back up, and you're reading, and you're like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Oftentimes, there'll be like a, like a chapter or two of what happened, and it'll say like this guy became king at 38, and he didn't do what was right in the, the eyes of God, and he died. And then it'll say sometimes this king was this age, and he did right in the, the eyes of God. But oftentimes in the middle of kings, it will, it will say either good or bad, and then it will say oftentimes he did not tear down the high places. And I read that, and I read that, and I read that, and sometimes the king was good, but he refused to tear down the high place. Sometimes the king was bad, and he made high places. I was like, what the heck is the high place? So I did what every deep theological passage did. I Googled it. So I'm reading on Google, Google, what's the high places? And so I started reading the high places were actually idol worship areas they put on top of mountains where they would go to have this, this kind of experience with these gods. They would cut themselves, they would sacrifice babies, they would do all sorts of crazy things, like they would sacrifice their first children. They did all sorts of crazy things on these high places. And then I started to continue to read this article and it said, contradict that with, with where God told him to make the, the, the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He told him to make a, the tabernacle in the plains. And the message was, is for most of us, we want the mountaintop experience with God. We pray the mission, set, the mission trip mindset kind of belief in God. God, I want to go somewhere, and I want to do something great. And Jesus is saying, if you want to do something great, do it right now in your ordinary life. You want the high places. You want the conferences. You want the, you want the black and white leadership nights. You want, the, you want the feeling, but then you leave this place, and you never, ever walk in the plains, which is where God actually uses people. See, Jesus, he, he, he was normal in a normal life. He was reaching people and obedient in a, in a normal life. And for most of us, maybe that's the eye opener where God's going, okay, you want this big platform and you're waiting for all this opportunity, and I put it all in front of you. You're just not seeing it. You're not seeing it. The Bible says in Colossians 4 be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Watch this, make the most of every opportunity. So think about your work, think about your family. Think about your school if you're, in, if you're in high school or college. Think about your high school or college. I know oftentimes with parents, school gets hard for, for kids and the first thing you want to do is take them away from it. And I, I get it because I have three kids. I've told my kids a couple times, if somebody bullies you if they're a fifth grader, you're in second grade and somebody says something to you, I'll come on the bus. I don't, I'll beat a fifth grader up. I don't care. But the truth is, many times God's putting your kids in that situation because he's putting them through the refining fire to get them prepared to do something great through their life. And anytime God does something great through anybody's life, he never does it in the easiness of life. It's always through hardship. So he's just teaching them at a young age, hey, life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. Standing up for Christ is, is hard. At the restaurant you go to, at the, at the groups you're a part of, on the golf course you, you, you try to play at. At the parties you, you, you go to when you're watching the Eagles lose, uh, it, are you aware? Number two is Jesus was intentional. You need to be intentional. I need you to see something right here in, in this story that I think is so important. The Bible says in verse number six, when Jesus saw him lying there, and then in the next sentence it says, and he He learned. See, when you read the Bible, you read it fast. I read this passage to you. I read it really fast. But the truth is, there was a long conversation that happened right here. See, for most Christians, uh, what, what the world expects of us is kind of this one and done thing. Want to go to church with me? No, okay. They kind of expect you to show up at Easter with one of our invite cards. God gets the last word. Okay, the last word was last year. Death to life was two years ago. What's it going to be this year? And we kind of get on top of our game during, during the big holidays. We kind of get, get, get excited during the big holidays. And they kind of expect you to come and go. But the truth is, is Jesus acted differently towards this man. He wasn't in a hurry. I know he was getting to a festival. The Bible says that he got there and he learned. Now, I, I don't know what happened in this situation, but I know the man couldn't stand. So I'm, I'm going to show you this just so you understand. The man couldn't stand. So what would be super rude of Jesus would be to talk like this. What's up, bro? What you got going on right here? Oh, you can't walk? Okay, we'll be here. Let me leave. You want to get in this Like, I think, if you just look at it, that Jesus got down where this guy was, which, by the way, Jesus always comes down to where we're at. He gets down to wh- where this man's at. I think his disciples are in a hurry. Jesus, come on, man, the party's starting. We got to get to the party. We got to get our party hat. We got to get our glowing dark. We got to do all this stuff. Jesus, and Jesus said, no, no. And Jesus stops, and he's very intentional with this man. He begins to learn. Learned is, a, is an intentional word. It's a word where he say, you know what? I'm going to find out about this man. You see, for many Christians, we are so busy in our lives that even when we try to reach people for Jesus, it's very quick. You want to go to church? No? Okay, fine. Sounds good. The method of Jesus has always been one of incarnation. It happened in the book of John where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, which is Jesus, becomes flesh. He comes into our neighborhoods, into our messes, into our situations. He comes with a listening ear. He comes with a loving hand. He comes like that, and he is part of our life. And the exact same way that Jesus lived, and the exact same conversation that Jesus has with this man, that's the way that people that are reaching people for Christ are to this world. They're very intentional. They, they, they're great Listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. When I was in college, i told you a story before about how I won my wife over. I stalked her, like just quite honestly. It was 2002, 2001, whatever it was. Different, different era. Was 2,000 people in our Bible college, and, 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 and you had to get a wife before you graduated. This is the way it was. If you're in Bible college, and you come out of Bible college without a wife or, or a husband, you're not going to get a job. And so I needed a wife, and so I was always on the lookout. And so I, I saw Leah, and she was way above my, my pay grade and way above out of my thing. And so I needed to be intentional and stalking her, right, and so she used to run, and so she used to run around this thing called the prayer walk, I told you a story before, she would run around the prayer walk, and my my dorm was right in front of the prayer walk, and so the prayer walk was called the prayer walk, but what it really was was the, the, the late night, date night walk, like nobody prayed at the prayer walk except for the losers at our school, right, and so anyway, that's just being real with you, People went there, they played sports in the middle of it. They went there to run around it. They went there to talk. They went there to stalk, right? And so I noticed Lee used to run the prayer walk, and I noticed the exact time that she ran around the prayer walk, the exact time. So I started positioning myself there. I'd be stretching out on the thing, you know, uh, stretching out. Uh, she'd be running north, so I'd be running south and just maybe bump into her. Uh, uh, other things I did for, for my wife that she will now talk to you about, and I will, I will, I will dispute till the end of time, but she's listening right now, so I'm just going to make some admission. We used to have a mail room. She would go to the mail room at a certain time. I would go to the mail room at that time. She would go to the the cafeteria at a certain time. I just might have went to the cafeteria at that exact time. She went to chapel. I never went to chapel. If you go to Valley Forge or anywhere like that, I know they count you there. I used to take my little card. I would scan my card, and I would run. The chapel lady, what was not in shape where she could catch you, so she might have had about 10 yards of speed and that's it. So I would scan in and when she would say stop, I would just run. I was a heathen in college. But she started, I started noticing she goes to chapel, so I started going to chapel. I noticed that she liked to worship. So all of a sudden, I love to worship, right? <laughs> I became all things to one person, her name was Leah, so that I might win her. To me, that's biblical concept. So I did all these things. Some of you are like, you are bad. It worked. I've been married for 14 years, 13 years, something like that. We got three kids. It's all good. <laughs> the means justified the end. So here's the thing. Some of you are like, you are super weird. I was super weird. I've been saved by grace, right? And so anyway, I was very intentional about that. I became aware. That's what Jesus is saying. Become very intentional with your neighbors. Become very intentional with your coworkers. Become very intentional with your family and your friends. Somebody you say, How do I become very intentional? I think the number one characteristic of a Christian is to become a good listener. We, we, are, we are super good at being heard, super good, right? Like, you're going to use Facebook, you're going to use social media, you're going to use every means to every end. When somebody comes in and they, they tell you something wrong about your faith, they tell you the world wasn't created in seven days, they tell you the world is a million years old, they tell you the people weren't born like that, people were made like that, blah, 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 blah. What do we do when, when that first happens? We flip out. We quote scripture, and we listen. We are, are right. I, I'm not. I'm not standing up here going. I don't. I, I know that that I'm right. But here's the thing: just because you're right doesn't need mean you need to be a jerk about it. You can become a great a great listener. Here's the power of listening. I think it's so profound. Is most people that you come into contact do not listen with the intent to understand, but Christians should. Jesus is not asking this guy a question because he's a political man. He's just trying to be Jesus. Jesus actually cares. What are you doing here? Why are you laying here? What are you looking for? And Jesus here's his story. Listening is an attitude of a heart, a genuine desire to be with another with both attracts and heals. And I love this thing, this truth about listening. Listening is being heard is so close to being loved that the average, to the average person they're indistinguishable. Being heard is almost the exact same thing as being loved. So when you say, I love this world and I want God to reach this world through my life, what you're really saying is, God, make me a really good listener. In fact, the Bible says everyone should be slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to listen. In fact, that's where most of my anger comes from. You just won't listen to me. See, my hope for you is if you understand the opportunity you have, that you will become the best listener in your work. The bet known to be a great listener, known to be somebody who stops in the middle of your busy, your busy schedule, in the middle of your lunch. Listen, if you miss one lunch and you don't get to eat your entire sandwich because you're leading somebody to the Lord, God's going to fulfill that hunger. It's not like if you stop and say, I'm going to do everything I can in my power right here in this moment to make my life about somebody else. That's intentionality right there. And, And number, number, number three, be kind, be kind. If you ask me what I wanted people outside this church to say about people inside this church the answer would be really simple I want you to be kind I want us to be known uh, for our kindness do you see what happens right here the Bible says that Jesus looks at him and says do you want to get well this is Jesus he, he can make him well and what does the man do I can't get in the water because at that time It was thought by all these handicapped people, all these people with disabilities, that the first one in the water gets healed. So the water would bubble, archaeologists have now found this pool. They dug it up and they realized there was two pools. There was a high pool, there was a low pool. The pool from the the top would shoot water down to the pool from the bottom, which is where all these people would lay, and when they would lay there, occasionally the water that came down would make it bubble. So for 38 years. He was under the impression that the water's going to come down, it's this big angel and he's stirring it up and when the water stirs it up if I can be the first person in I'll be healed. I don't know if you've ever been in this world where you talk to somebody and you know the truth but you want to be a good listener and they they start talking about stuff that you know is the dumbest thing in the world. I think I could be happy if I just get another relationship. And your first thought in your head is you are an idiot. Like That's where I go with that. I could just be happy if I get another car I could just be content if my wife would start acting like me we would be better and the whole time you're going if I could just get a little bit more money a little bit more of this if I could just then I'll be content and you're thinking to yourself man you are an idiot I have the truth the truth is you're a sinner and you need Jesus and you would think that Jesus who made this message up he is the author perfecter of this faith that he will look at this man and go you are dumb for 38 years you've been waiting For water to pass from the high pole to the low pole to make bubbles and to get in, you can't even walk, bro. You think I'm going to put you in here and there's some bubbles, you're going to get healed? I think he would look at him and he could have went, look around. Everybody here with you, you've been laying here for the last bunch of years with you. You guys are all dumb. I'm going to party. Instead, Jesus looks at him, he says, you want to get well. And then he replies like that, and Jesus doesn't give him any of that. He just looks at him, he says, no, no, you want to get well. Pick up your mat and walk. I'm not worry about how foolish you are. Let me just lead with, with kindness. The Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. See, I believe, I believe this, that, that many times people need to have a good experience long before they have a God experience. In other words, kindness opens up doors for God to move and kindness softens hearts for God to move. The Bible even says that in the book of Proverbs 15, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer. Why is it that it's God's kindness that got us here? It's God's gentleness that turned away our wrath. It's God's kindness that softened our hearts and we leave this place and we think that it's God's truth that changes people. God is true and he is righteous and he is holy, but it's God's grace. His kindness and His mercy that softens people's hearts. A- a- as I close, a few, a few years back we started Journey Church, actually it was 10 years ago, it was a long time ago. We were meeting downstairs at my mom and dad's church on Sunday nights and it was a tough time but when, 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 when we started, this, this one girl started coming to our church, she was expecting a baby and I knew her from, from I hate to say this, but I was, I was tanning at that time. So I was going tanning and was, you know, and, and I met her, I knew her from, from the owners of the tan, tanning salon I had knew all growing up and so I met this girl and we talked about church and Leah was going there. My whole family went tanning at that point and so we, we brought them, so I'm going to throw all of them under the bus. And So we brought them, we invited her to church and she came, she came with her boyfriend, she was expecting a baby, she came with her boyfriend. That's not right, just so you know. That's not biblical and that's not true. <laughs> And we could have led like that. You know that's wrong. You need to get married and all this stuff. And the truth is they did need to get married, right? And, and I don't really, I didn't see them for a couple years. They came, they had their baby. I didn't see them for a while. A few years back, they started coming to, to Journey again. Uh, their child was six, seven, eight, nine years old. I'm not sure how old it was. And I talked to them. And, and I'm not sure exactly where they're at right now spiritually. I don't know. I haven't talked to them for a year, year and a half. But I, but I saw them when they started coming back to church. I saw her, her boyfriend, her the dad of the, of, the, of the little boy. And I saw him and he, he told me, he said, he said, I'm going to tell you something I remember about this church. And I said, what's that? He said, you guys bought us, you bought us a gift certificate to get supplies when we had a baby back 10 years ago. He said, I'll never forget that. Now, 10 years ago, we didn't have no money, so we scraped together. I mean, our offerings literally were a couple hundred dollars a week and one person in our church gave most of that. I've told you before, I used to call them to make sure they were given that week. And he remembered that, and God told me, it's my my kindness that brings people back. It's my my kindness that leads people back to my presence. See, Jesus is, is kind. Jesus is intentional. Jesus is aware. You have opportunities all in front of you right now. The question is, are you going to be oblivious or are you going to practice an axe mentality that you were put at the exact place that you're at right now to accomplish things that will change the course of history, that you're hanging out in the work and the people there that are addicted to pain pills and the people there whose marriages are falling apart, that you're out of school and the kids there that are cutting themselves and they're bulimic and they have all sorts of insecurity issues, that everywhere you go in life, that God has put you at the exact place that you're supposed to be at. And listen, some of you are saying, God use me, God use me, God use me, and God is waiting on you to be useful to him. He is waiting on you to go, oh, never mind, I see, I see that, that family member, Have I see that way that I'm not responding, right? Some of you say, Man. I've responded wrong to my family members. I've responded wrong to people that are far from Christ. Let me tell you the best way that you can act like Jesus today. You can get on your phone, and you can leave this church, and you can go, man, I failed you in that situation, and don't give him any buts. You were wrong, so this is the reason I did this, but I need to apologize. No, I'm just going to apologize to you. I didn't act like Jesus in that moment. I decided I'd rather be right than give you kindness, which leads you to maybe to the presence of Jesus so much opportunity there's so much opportunity would you would you ask God to help you to recognize it would you stand with me all over our houses would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you just pray over this over yourself and that the prayer is God God I want to be aware of opportunities God I want to be aware of What you're speaking to me, God, I want to be aware of those you put into my path. There's somebody at your work. There's somebody at your school. There's somebody in your family. There's somebody you're going to come into contact with this week that you haven't seen for years. There's somebody that's going to wait on you or do work for you. Do you respond like Jesus? Are you aware? Are you intentional? Are you kind? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Maybe you're in this place and you are like, as we get ready to close, you are like the man at the pool. You've been sitting at a pool for 38 years and you've been waiting to be healed and you've been convinced that if, I could just, if I could just get in that pool I'll get well maybe, maybe it's not a physical pool maybe you've been laying around for many years disabled from a, from a painful situation that, that occurred to you maybe you've been laying around the spiritual pool for years disabled from a word that was spoken over you disabled from a parent that abandoned you disabled from a mistake that you have made and shame that you carry around Maybe you tried to work it off. Maybe you're convinced that if you could just get in the pool, that Jesus, that that you could heal yourself. If you could just do a little bit more work, that you can get over it. If you you can just prove them wrong, that you'll feel better. If you could just hate them more. And Jesus is coming to you today. And Maybe he's come to you before, and he said, do you want to get well? And you've given him a book of explanations of why you can't. A book of explanations of why that if you could just have this, then you would be healed. Jesus is asking you again today, friend, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Just like he looked at the man, he said, pick up your mat and walk. The mat represented the man's past. Represented the man's past. He picks up his mat, he rolls it up, and if you read the story, he begins to walk around, and his past becomes his story, his purpose. People look at him, aren't you the man that laid there yet, but Jesus healed me. Aren't you the one who was from a family that was broken? Aren't you the one who was addicted to drugs? Aren't you the one who was doing things that were hurting you? Aren't you the one that was never happy? Aren't you the one that was always depressed? Yes, that's who I was. You're holding that map, but Jesus healed me. Jesus set me free. Jesus touched my life. And because of Jesus, I walk a free man and a free woman. Do you want to get well? The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and you would believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. What you're confessing and believing is that Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived for 33 years. On the 33 year, they put him under trial, and they wrongly put him on a cross. He hung on that cross for your sins and my sins. They took his body, his dead body, off that cross. They placed him in a tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it. They sealed it. They put Roman guards in front of it. They tried to stop his story, and on the third day, the Bible says the stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out victorious. But he didn't walk out without scars, the Bible says that he showed his disciples and those that he appeared to. He showed them his hands and he showed them his feet and the message was I did this for you so that you didn't have to walk through this life with the scars that you carry determining the outcome. And through Jesus you can have victory, through Jesus you can have purpose, through Jesus you can have hope and forgiveness. Do you want to get well? Right now, I believe there's people in this place that have all these excuses. But I'm, I, I can get well, but, but I can do this, but I can do you want to get well? Would you yield your life to Jesus Christ right now? Would you stop running and realize the moment you stop running that he's been running after you the entire time? He's knocking at the door of your heart, friend. Would you let him in in this moment? If you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ at other campuses with Pastor Bob and Pastor Jordan standing there just with the moment left in our church and you say, you know what? I feel Jesus talking to me. I feel him gripping my heart. Uh, He's asking me if I want to get well. I want to get well today. I'm going to put my faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ with nobody looking around in this moment, but church is praying for you. Would you shoot your hand up in the air and say, you know what? I'm going to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. I see a hand uh, right here. I'm going to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to get well today. I want to get well today. I want to be whole in Jesus' presence. Is there anybody else who says, Pastor, that's me right here right with me in this moment. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've been put on this earth at this exact moment. I've wandered this earth too many years without purpose today I know my purpose and the greatest day of my life is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ is there anybody else church who said that's me that's me pastor would you pray with me church as we get ready to close Jesus we love you we are so thankful for this day at Limerick Plymouth meeting and here we're thankful that you moved we're thankful for each child that was represented in this place and we are thankful for your word because it never returns void we're thankful that you moved on people's hearts today that you You reach people far from you, Lord, and that you ran to them in this moment. And Lord, as they're praying this prayer, they're yielding their life to you the same way that you looked at the man without judgment, without anger, and you said, do you want to get well? And all they're saying to you, God, is today I want to be well. Today I want to be whole. Today I want to be a brand new creation. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe it's through you, Jesus, that I'm a brand new person. It's through you that my sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And it's through you that I become a brand new person when I want to leave this place. What was true of me is no longer true of me. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did in this place, for all that you continue to accomplish. In your name we pray. Amen, Amen, Church, you can clap with me.